uh, we're going to be in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah today. So I want to give you that up front. Anytime we're in the Old Testament, I want to give you a little extra time because sometimes some of those Old Testament books can be tricky. So I, uh, I, book of Isaiah chapter 6 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. And I promise I will eventually get there uh, at some point before we leave. But while you're uh, finding that, I just want to remind you, next Sunday we've set aside as the Sunday where we're going to dedicate babies. We've got a lot of new babies and children in the church and so uh, uh, next Sunday, we're going to be doing that in both services, the early service and this service as well. So if you have a child or you have a baby that you would like to have dedicated to the Lord, there's a sign up out there uh, at the Welcome Center. Uh, be sure and fill that out. And uh, we look forward to a great Sunday next Sunday as we dedicate our children uh, to the Lord. Uh, but anyway, today we're in the, the third and final week of this little series. And I told you, it's just going to be a, a little three-week emphasis uh, that we've been looking at, talking about uh, prayer. And uh, from, from what I've been uh, talking to some people over the past few weeks, that, that God seems to be using uh, some of these ideas and, and this scripture that we've been looking at to really minister. And, and, and people have allowed it to, to actually stir their hearts and to uh, take them to a new place in their walk and their relationship with Jesus. And I'm excited about that. But what we're doing in, in this series is, is we've basically taken three different ideas and kind of been challenged to add these uh, three things to our prayer life, uh, our daily prayer life, to make it a regular part of our prayers. And the prayers that we're kind of looking at and talking about, uh, they're not as common uh, as most prayers that we pray, they're not predictable prayers. And what we've been looking at is actually it could be a big risk for some of us to introduce uh, these into our, our prayer life. And I've been blessed by what I'm hearing from people who are taking a step of faith to pray uh, some of these things. So in week one, what did we learn about? We, we learned to pray. We looked at that passage of scripture in Psalms that says, search me, O God, know my heart. Uh, we start praying that on a regular basis. God's going to do a work in our life, I promise you. If we wake up every single day saying, God, search me. Is there anything in there uh, that is uh, offensive? You know, test we, we, we uh, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. And we talked about that in, in week one. Last week, we talked about uh, praying a prayer that... Uh, not, not very many people probably committed to praying it, but if we could begin to pray, God, break me, right? God, break me of, uh, of anything that keeps me from being in a personal relationship with you. Break me of anything that uh, stands between uh, us and God. And so we were kind of challenged last week to, to pray a, a pretty uh, risky prayer that, that simply says, break me of what I need to be broke of in my life. And, and then today, uh, what we're looking at, my favorite of the three, I told a couple people earlier today, out of these three messages, this is absolutely uh, my favorite because today what we're going to talk about is, is to begin to pray, have a prayer life to where we pray to God and make ourselves available. And I think it's probably one of the most powerful things that we can do is to introduce into our daily prayers a prayer that simply says, God, I, I'm available to be used by you today. Because here, here's the deal. We often pray for things that directly impact us or directly impact someone that we love, right? 
Think about your prayer life. Think about the things that you pray for. And we most often pray for things that affect us or affect someone uh, that we know or, or that we love. You know, we'll pray, God, could you do this for me? Or God, could you please, you know, heal my grandmother? Or, or, or God, could you, you know, help me uh, uh, get into, you know, this school? Or could you help me get out of school? Or, or help me find a new job? Or whatever it might be. And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that these prayers are wrong. I'm saying... That's just how we typically find ourselves praying is that God would, you know, do something for us or do something for uh, someone that we love and care for. But maybe instead of just having a prayer life of God, could you do this for me? Maybe we could have a prayer life that looks more like this. God, what can I do for you? How often do we find ourselves praying that in our prayers? See, we've got a long list for him to do for us, but... What if we introduced into our prayer life, but God, what is it that I can do for you? How big of a risk would it be if we all started praying a prayer of availability, right? God, I'm your servant. You're not mine, right? Sometimes we think of God as God is there to serve us. God created us to serve him, right? We're his servant. And sometimes we go into our prayer closet sometimes with the wrong mindset of what can you do for me? And I believe God wants to speak to us today about what is it that we can do for him. Because we are his servants and, and we want to be available for whatever that he might call us uh, to do. And, and I just believe that some people here today will get this and commit to this today and begin to pray this prayer of availability. And I'm going to tell you what, if you do very possibly your life may never be the same again. It could change the, the whole trajectory uh, that your life is currently on if you would begin to pray this prayer. Uh, he could direct you in, in a lot of different ways. Maybe a different city, you know. He might want to direct you to a different city. He may reveal a calling to you that you may have never even considered or expected uh, before in your life. And he may lead you to stay right where you're at. Right? He may tell you, you know what, you don't need to go anywhere. You're right exactly where I want you to be at this point and at this time. For some of you, he may lead you to break up with someone that you're dating because he's got an upgrade for you. Right? But now if you know the one you're with is the one, please stay with the one. But he may have an upgrade for you. Hunter and Mel, y'all getting married in two weeks. It's too late. All right? There's no upgrades there. And so, uh, but you know, God may have something different for you. He may have a different job for you. I, I don't know what it is. I'm not God. But I know this. When you make yourself available to him, when you make yourself uh, available to God, it's going to be something that will take you out of your comfort zone. It's never comfortable, right? And it may be a big risk in, in, in your eyes, but it will definitely be worth it because the reason it'll be worth it is because it's God's plan for your life and not your plan. And mine, your plan stinks, <laughs> right? His plan is perfect. And so as long as we're living our lives according to his plan, uh, we're in good shape. So as you read through all throughout the Bible, though, we, we see time and time again where God calls people to do things, right? 
I mean, all throughout scriptures, we see story after story after story where God spoke to someone, he prompted someone, he called someone, uh, you know, to do something. He moves them, he leads them to something, maybe to say something or speak to someone, to go somewhere, encourage someone, to speak some truth to someone. God will call people who are in relationship with him to do what he needs to have done. Okay? And so there are three responses to that call. There are three responses that we can have in our lives when God calls us. And I want to look at that first this morning before we go any further. Actually, three responses to God's call. The first one is this. It was Jonah. Jonah responded to God's calling like this, right? Here I am, but I'm not going, <laughs> right? I mean, basically, that's Jonah's story, right? Here I am, but I won't go. And, and, and so, you know, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, God said this. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And what did Jonah do? But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He said, here I am, God, but I won't go. And, and some of you, I can't help but think, have probably had a similar experience where you felt God prompting you to do something. You felt God calling you to do something, maybe to say something, maybe to reach out uh, to someone, to help someone. And you said, here I am, God, but not today, right? <laughs> I ain't got time for that today, you know. I, I, I can't, can't do that today, you know. I'm not going. And, and I can almost guarantee that that if you're a follower of Jesus, that there have been times when God has prompted you to do something and you were like, you know what? I really need to do this. I feel like this is something that I need to do. And I'm going to do it, right? And, and, and I should do it. And here I am, God, but I can't do it today, right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going today. That's Jonah. Here I am, but I won't. The second one is Moses, and this is what Moses said. He said, here I am, but send somebody else. <laughs> right? That's Moses' story. Here I am, Lord, but send my brother. Please send anyone but me. Right? This isn't my calling. I have no training. I've never been to seminary. I can't even talk to myself in the mirror. God, here I am, but somebody else has got to do this job. I'm not qualified. Exodus 3, verse 10 and 11, God spoke to Moses and he said, so now go. He's talking to Moses. He says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this is something that Moses would have definitely agreed needed to happen, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious this is what needs to take place. Moses would not have argued that. But instead of saying, you bet, God, I'll go. Look at his response in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Someone, someone else could do this a whole lot better than, than I could do this. Here I am, God, but... Send someone else. I'm not the right person. And this is so easy for us to do, isn't it? It's so easy uh, for us. And we're like, you know what? I, I'm not going to give my money to that. Somebody else should give their money to that. They've got money. They could get enough money to burn a wet mule. Let them give toward that, right? I, 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 can't, I can't do that right now. 
I'm not going to go. I'm not going to sign up for that. I, I don't have any spare time. Let those, let those stay-at-home moms that don't do anything do that. And all the stay-at-mom homes just grab their knife, right? Cut you. Think, I don't do anything. I'll show you do something. But, I mean, we're always thinking somebody else could do that, right? I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. They do. I, they do. And that's often the mindset in the church. I loved several years ago, Gretchen had some T-shirts made that said, Hello, my name is someone else, right? Because that's the mentality in the church anymore is that someone else will do it, right? And I've been here almost 20 years, and I've met a lot of people that have come and gone in and out those doors out there, and not one single time did I ever shake someone's hand and say, hi, my name is Steve, and they said, hi, my name is someone else. There's no someone else here, folks. They don't go to church here. They go to Freddie Mark's church. Right? <laughs> they don't go here. We don't have someone else here. You're someone else, right? And, and you know, that's, but that's often our mindset. Someone else, you know, can do it. Here I am, God, but send someone else. Jonah says, here I am, I'm not going. Moses says, here I am, but send someone else. But Isaiah, Isaiah, he takes a big risk. And it's Isaiah's prayer that I think we can all be challenged to add to our prayer life today. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 says this. Isaiah says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, before we read what his response was, you know that I like to read into Scripture what it don't say, right? We talked about this Wednesday night. All right, we often look at what it says, but often when I'm reading, I'm thinking, all right, what does this not say? Well, what it doesn't say here is that he didn't ask any questions, right? He didn't say, God, where do you want to send me, right? God, is, is the weather nice? What, what, what's, what's, this, what's this new gig going to pay, God? You know, what, what, does the, what, what, what kind of vacation package do I get? He didn't ask any questions. What, what does Isaiah do here? He basically signs a blank contract that says, Here I am, send me. Here I am, God, send me. Use me. And I believe if we start... Praying that prayer to God that God will send us and God will use us and God will get us out of our, our comfort zone. But today I want to encourage you to start making this prayer a regular part of your, your prayer life. God, here I am. Send me. Use me. I'm available. I'm, I'm your servant. God, you have permission to interrupt my life. God, you have permission to interrupt my day. Today, God, you have a permission to interrupt my schedule. And if you want me to go somewhere, I'll go. If you want me to stay, I'll say, stay. If you want me to speak to somebody, I'll speak. If you want me to just hush and pray, I'll try to hush and I'll pray. Right? If you want me to give something away, if you want me to use my time, whatever it is, God, today that you want me to do, whatever it is, God, I'm available. I'm available. I'm your servant. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. And, and here's, here's why this 
can get a little risky when you start to pray that and you start to have that mindset because if you start praying this, God's going to interrupt you. He's going to answer your prayer and he's going to interrupt you. He will prompt you. He will show you what he needs you to do today and that day. But here's the question. How do we get to the place to where we have this mindset? How do we get to a place to where when we get out of bed, we're thinking, God, I want to be available to you. How how do we get to a place where we can pray this and find ourselves fully surrendered to God to be available for that day? Well, I believe we find the answers here. Leading up to verse uh, 8 here in Isaiah chapter 6. How do we fully surrender our lives to God and get to this place? Number one is this. You need a personal experience with the presence of God. Alright? Now, to fully surrender your life to God, the first thing that we need to do is experience God. And experience his presence in a genuine and a personal way. There's, there's, there's some people today that have had some kind of emotional experience, but they've never really had an experience with God and a personal relationship with him. Verse 1 here in, in chapter 6 says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So what happened here? Isaiah saw the presence of God. He experienced the presence of God in all of his majesty and in all of his glory. And when Isaiah had a personal experience with his Lord and Savior... When he had a personal experience with the presence of God, it completely changed him. It completely transformed his life, right? So that he could pray a prayer like this. So why is it today that many people today have not fully surrendered their lives to God so that he can live out their will in and through their lives? Well, it could be that they haven't had a personal and a genuine experience with God. It could be why. Why is it that you may not find yourself being available, being able to say, God, here I am, use me? Well, maybe it's because you haven't recently experienced his presence and his power in your life. And I can assure you uh, of this, the presence of God in your life will bring you to a deeper place of submission than you are right now. The closer you get to God, the more available you're going to be used, uh, be available to be used by God. The closer that you are to His presence. And, and some of you may be thinking, well, I've never really experienced God like that before in my life. You know, He's got the, you know, the temple filled with robe. You know, I, I've never had an experience like that. I've never felt that. I've never experienced God in a personal and genuine way. Can I just tell you today this? You can. You can. Right? That's how he wants us to be in relationship uh, with him. In fact, the Bible teaches us that if we'll draw near to him, that he'll draw near to us. Maybe the reason you've never had a personal, genuine relationship with Jesus is because you've never really approached him in the way that he wants us to approach him. And God's word says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That's the promise. That doesn't mean that you have to go to the Holy Land over in Israel. Okay? That's not, what it, that's not what it's saying. It can literally happen while you're driving in your car down the road. How many of you here today have had a personal, genuine experience with God driving down the road? It can happen, can it not? 
It can. It all depends on our mindset, where we're at, and where we want to be. And, and so maybe some of us, and I said us, including your pastor, a little more often need to turn off the talk radio and the country music and the old rock and roll hits that are awesome, right? Maybe, maybe we need to turn that off and get ourselves in a mindset of worshiping God, and then we will experience His presence. I've never really experienced God's presence when I was listening to a song about drinking beer and cheating on my wife, right? I mean, it had a nice beat, but that's about all I had. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's kind of funny, but it's the truth, is it not? And, and I mean this as much for me as I, I do you, because when you will put yourself in a place, and you put yourself in a situation to experience God, you're drawing near to Him, and what's the promise? He will draw near to us. But we, we've got we've to move too, right? It, it, it could be, you know, not, it might not just be in your car. Um, because some of you, I've seen you drive and you can't be anything holy driving a car. I, I understand that. But may, maybe it's at night when you're saying prayers with your six-year-old kid or six-year-old grandkid. And while you're there praying with them, you just realize... God's here. God's presence is in my child's bedroom. How awesome is this? We're talking to God here in our bed. And we began to understand and realize the fullness and the presence of God. And he becomes even so much more real and so much more closer to us. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And maybe... You're not as available as you should be and as available as you could be because you haven't been seeking him in a while. You haven't been seeking his presence. You haven't been seeking a personal and genuine experience with God. And so some of us need today, some of us today may need to experience him in a new way and draw near to him so that he'll draw closer to us and so that we can fully surrender our lives to him. The second thing that we need, I believe, is this, a personal awareness of our sinfulness. A personal awareness of our sinfulness. That's a, a genuine awareness that we're flawed, right? Uh, we, you know, here's what we do, or here's what I do. I don't know what y'all do. I'm sure you probably compare yourselves to me and go, well, I'm better than him. So, but, uh, you know, that's our tendency, is it not? I mean, I'm good. I'm good. Look at him. Look at him. I'm better than that, right? So I'm good. And so we have this tendency to think we're all right. We're all good because we're better than that guy or, or that, that lady, right? But we're not good. All right, we're, we're not good. Without Jesus, we're not. Without Jesus, we're a sinner in the eyes of God. Without a personal relationship with Him, we're not good and we can't be good. All right, you can't act good enough to be good without a personal relationship with God. 
You just can't do it. And it was when Isaiah realized this, right? Isaiah has a personal experience with God. He's drawn near to God. God's drawn near to him. He's had this personal, genuine relationship. And now that he's coming, he's coming to the presence of God and experienced him, he's realized, you know what? I see God's holiness and I look at me and I see unholiness, right? I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it up. But that's what uh, uh, Isaiah saw there. He realized how holy God was. And, and in that moment, he recognized his own unrighteousness. Right? In that moment, uh, uh, no, he had a personal and genuine awareness of his flaws, his sin, his weaknesses. Look at what uh, Isaiah cries out here in verse number 5 there in chapter 6. He said, woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. <laughs> right? I'm ruined. Another translation says, I'm done. I'm nothing. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer him because he is holy and I'm not. Right? I, I'm ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. And I've lived among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So what does it take for us to get to a place where we're fully surrendered, where we can say, here I am, God, send me. Well, it takes personal experience with the presence of God, and it also takes a personal awareness of our sinfulness and our flaws and our weaknesses as well. And then number three, it takes a personal understanding of God's grace. Right? When we have fully experienced and understand what grace is, <laughs> we'll come a lot more near being available to what God wants to do in us and through us. When we understand how amazing that grace truly is, it will bring you to a point of full surrender and it will bring you to a point of obedience. Look what verse 6 says. It goes on to say, Then one of the seraphim, this is an angelic being, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth, remember, because he's saying, my mouth is sinful, my, you know. And so the seraphim approaches him. He touches his mouth with it, and he says, see, this has touched your lips. This is amazing right here. This is, this is good news, and I want you to read it with me. More than one person this morning, because this is 1030 service. What's underlined? Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. That's great news for us, folks. You know why? Because that's grace. That's grace. So what happened here? When he experienced the presence of God, he recognized and he realized, I'm ruined. I'm a man of, of unclean lips. And with one touch of the goodness of God, his sins were forgiven and completely atoned for. Listen, with one touch, your lying lips, forgiven. With one touch, your lustful attitudes, forgiven. Your self-centered thoughts, forgiven. Your anger and angry outburst, forgiven. All of your sins, forgiven, as if that never happened. And God's Word says that He takes those sins and He casts them as far as the east is from the west. I don't even know how far that is, but it, I don't think it ever ends, if I'm not mistaken. Right? He forgives all of our sins completely. 
They're forgiven, and oh, by the way, when they are forgiven, they are forgotten. The slate is wiped clean, right? That's what grace is all about. That's grace. And when you personally experience this and understand grace, it changes everything. It will change you. It will transform you. It will change the way that you wake up in the morning and view every single day that you're given. When we understand what grace is. And the same way that coal touched his lips and removed his guilt, the blood of Jesus Christ has done the same thing for each and every one of us that has accepted him as Lord and Savior of our lives. And when we experience that and we come to know that in its fullness, our only reasonable response that we can have to God is, here I am, use me, right? When we understand the grace that has been poured out for us, the mercy that has been extended to us, our only reasonable response is to say, you gave your son for my life, now I want to give my life for yours. That's the only reasonable response. And, and don't, I'm, I'm about to preach. Don't miss this, though. Okay, this isn't, this isn't you know, some kind of prayer that you have to pray just because Jesus forgave you, okay? I don't want you to think that that's the case because it's not. It's not a prayer that you have to pray. You get to. You get to pray it. You don't have to pray it. You get to pray it. When you understand grace, you'll be like, I get to do this. I get to live for him. I get to serve him. I get to be a child of the king, <laughs> You don't have to. You get to. He has given us every single day as an opportunity. Every day that he gives you is an opportunity and a gift. And he presents to you opportunities all throughout that day because he created you and he created that, that day so that you would serve him, represent him, and bring him glory. So there'll be opportunities every single day to be his representative as his child. Right, So that we can serve him, bring him glory for this amazing and incredible thing that he did for us. Right, This isn't, oh, I've got to serve God. This is, holy cow, he gave me another day that I get to serve him. <laughs> I get to serve him because he served me. And he loved me through his son Jesus. And I get to give him my all. And I get to give him everything that I have. And here's the deal. This isn't a one-time decision. And I think a lot of people get this confused. Well, you know, back in 1998, I surrendered my all to the Lord right there on that altar, you know. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a one-time prayer. It's not a, a, a one-time decision. This is a daily decision. It has to be a daily decision, right? Because, you know, the reason it's daily decision is because our, our, our flesh, our nature... When we get up in the mornings, we don't want to do this. Our nature is, here I am, God, but I'm not going today. Right? My nature is, here I am, God, but you're going to have to send somebody else because my schedule's full today. Got too much going. Sorry. That's our nature, is it not? Maybe mine. Y'all perfect. I, I don't know about y'all, but that's my nature when I get up. And so that's why this is a daily prayer. We have to pray daily for God's Spirit. Listen. We have to pray that God's Spirit will be stronger in our lives than our own spirit. That God's Spirit would be in control, not our spirit. Not our will. Because my will ain't right. My, my will is not good. 
Right? But His will is, and so we have to pray daily that His Spirit would be stronger in our lives than our will so that we can say, here I am, use me. Here I am, send me. But it's a risk. It's a big risk. And I believe some people here today won't start praying this. And the reason that I think you won't is because you're afraid of what the answer may be. I've been there. God, I'm available, but I don't want to quit my job. <laughs> and so some of us are afraid because some of you are afraid. You know what? If I pray this prayer, I may have to sell everything that I have and move to Africa to be a missionary and never use a toilet again. <laughs> And you know, that might happen. He might call you to be a missionary in Africa. Kevin McNabb came up to me after early service today, and he said, I believe God's called me to go to Africa to take them toilets. <laughs> I said, well, I hope somebody else, I hope he calls somebody else to take them some toilet paper. <clears throat> but you know, that might happen. But in all reality, it's more likely that he's going to call you to be a missionary where you work. It's more likely that he's going to call you to be a missionary right where you live because there are lost people in your neighborhood. There are lost people in your school. There are lost people on your job. There are lost people at the Senior Citizens Center. Right? And so it's more than likely that he's going to call you to be a missionary right where you are, to serve the people that are in front of you, to be faithful with what he's already given you and where he's already put you. God, a lot of times, will, will just call us to, to reach out and give something to someone that's in need, right? And, and, and he may call you tomorrow to buy lunch for a single mom with, with three kids. And you may think, you know what, that's not really a big deal. But to that single mom who's trying to raise three kids that's really struggling, it's a big deal. It's a big thing. You know, and, and I believe that God say, would say that it's a big deal too because you were available and you were obedient. So it'd be a big deal, a big thing. And when you're faithful to God in the little things, well, then what does he do? What does he do? He trusts us with even more things, right? And he'll trust us with bigger things. And those bigger things might look like actually volunteering somewhere in the church to serve. Like maybe to volunteer to serve in the nursery, which is kind of like going to Africa because they don't use a toilet either. <laughs> right? So it could be just as bad. Somebody got stuck back there. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but I felt so sorry for them. They had nursery duty in early service, Right? 8.30 service. So they got here a little before 8.30 and started keeping kids. Well, nobody showed up for the Sunday school to relieve them. And then nobody showed up for the second service to relieve them. And they had those kids back there for three hours. They hadn't been back to church since. I don't blame them. But no, they have. They're sweet people for doing that. And some of you get it. Some of you do that. But God may be prompting you. God may be calling you. He may prompt you to host a small group. We have people all the time say, boy, I wish we had more small groups. Well, we do too. And we've been praying for small group leaders and host people to host them in their homes. 
And uh, God may be prompting you to do that, to be a small group leader, prompt you to be a, a sponsor at church camp. I believe that he's prompting some of you today to even volunteer to help with Vacation Bible School. <laughs> and there's a table out there, and he can just prompt you all the way to the table, and we'll hand you a pen. Okay? I, you know, listen, I'm not God, and, and I don't want to pretend to be, and so I don't know what he's going to call you to, what he's going to prompt you to. For some, it, it, it very well could be something much, much bigger than anything that I mentioned here today. But I know this, when you truly start saying yes to Jesus, when you truly start saying yes to him, you're going to recognize that he's calling you to do even more. And the more you're available... And the more you're obedient, and the more you say yes, the more he's going to use you. Okay, because here's the deal. And I think we forget this sometimes. Right now, you and I, the church, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. He's not here right now. Right? He came and he left. And he empowered us to do everything that we need to do on his behalf for him. And we're his hands. And we're his feet to serve Him, and to do His work here on this earth. Right? Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. So how do we get to the place to where you have the courage to pray uh, this risky prayer? To take this risk, to pray, God, you know what? I don't need to know all the details. All I really need to know is that you've called me. And that you're calling me. And if you're calling me, my only reasonable response based on what you've done for me is to say yes. Like Isaiah did here in chapter 6. How do you get there? Well, you personally experience the presence of God. Right? You recognize your own sinfulness. And you personally experience the grace and the forgiveness of our Savior Jesus. And when that happens... Right, when that happens, you don't just try to. You get to give your whole life to God and serve Him and represent Him. Some people will leave here today and they'll say, here I am, but I'm not going. Some people will leave here today and say, here I am, send someone else. But I believe some of you are going to leave here different today. Because I believe some of you are going to leave here today because you've personally experienced him and say, here I am. Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Let me pray for us today. God, it's my continued prayer that we would continue to be available. I've been praying repeatedly for a long time now that you would stir our hearts and you would stir us as a church. And God, that we would honestly, that we would honestly and genuinely seek to have an experience with you that would change the way that we live, that would change the way that we do life and we live life. And I just pray uh, today that that you would be very real 
to some people that are here today, that they would experience your presence in, in a similar way to, to the way that Isaiah experienced it. Because when we have a, a personal experience with you, then we'll be able to pray what Isaiah prayed. Here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And God, I just want to... I want to thank you in advance today for all the ways that, that you're going to speak. I pray that when you prompt us to help someone, that we'll be aware, we'll know, this is, this is God calling me, this is God prompting me, this is God sending me, and then we'll be obedient to you, that, that we'll be faithful in what may appear to be a very small thing, but for that person, it's a big thing. And when we're faithful in the small things, then God, we know that you'll trust us with more and you'll trust us with even bigger things. So as a church today, as a pastor today, dear God, I pray, here we are, God. Here we are. Your church. And we're ready to love this world. We're ready to serve in the church. We're ready to serve as the church to show the love of Jesus to those around us in our families and in our community that need to see and experience the love of Jesus in their life. God, we're available. I pray that we wouldn't make any excuses, and I believe today that some people are making some commitments to you and making some decisions to, to you to be available. Here we are, God. Send us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.